Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. You can grab a seat. I am, I'm so glad that you guys have made it here this morning. This is breakout session one of four. So hopefully you guys are, are gearing up for the next few hours. Um, what we're going to do this morning is talk about how to reach athletes with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How to reach athletes with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But before we get there, let me introduce myself. My name is Josh Herring. My wife, Megan, and I, we serve on, on staff with Disciple Makers in the Lehigh Valley, uh, primarily at, at Muhlenberg College. And a little bit of my background, I actually graduated from Lebanon Valley. Uh, I was a, a member of the baseball team there. And in fact, even though, like, like many of you, I was heavily plugged into my Disciple Makers Fellowship at LVC, it is without a doubt that I spent the majority of my time in college with my baseball teammates. It's on the baseball team. And, and because of all that time we spent together, it was inevitable that I would have the opportunity to influence those guys, my teammates, for something. Just depended on what that something really was. So as you might be able to guess, this topic today, it's really near and dear to my heart. It's really near and dear to my heart. And maybe some of you feel similar. You're an athlete in college. You spend a ton of time with, with non-Christians and you have such a deep desire for them to know Jesus, but you just don't know how to do it. Well, welcome. But others of you, you might feel like you're on the total opposite end of the spectrum. Perhaps you feel like you have this special connection with the title of our breakout today. Perhaps you're a part of your campus fellowship and that's your main community. That's great. But once in a while, you see these athletes strutting around campus like they're something special, and you want them to know Jesus too. But similarly to the athletes in the room, you might simply not know how to do it. Well, welcome to you as well. This breakout session is for you. This morning, we're going to keep things very simple with the brief time we have. We're going to consider two points. Number one, the uniqueness of reaching athletes on campus. And number two, the practicals of how to actually do it. So let's jump in. Let me pray. and We'll get to the text. Father God, you've been so gracious and merciful in giving us the privilege to study your word so in depth this week. I pray that today, Lord, you would glorify yourself through these breakout sessions, that, that the hearts of all of us in this room would be further stirred to know more of the gospel and to make much of the gospel, which has been entrusted to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On the top of your outline, 1 Timothy 4 verse 8 reads, For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. These words from, from God bring assurance, friends, that you, as college students seeking to reach athletes for Christ on your campus, the work that you are engaging in is of eternal value. Because even though hundreds, if not thousands of athletes on your campus don't know it yet, the bodily training they are so focused on excelling in is fleeting. It, it's here one day and it's gone another. But what an athlete's strenuous bodily training does is mimics the godliness, the real training that will set them up for the rest of eternity. So friends, why is this so valuable? Why is reaching college athletes such a unique opportunity? Well, let's consider four things. No particular order here. Number one, athletes are, more often than not, 
accustomed to failure and loss. So the uniqueness of reaching athletes, number one, athletes are accustomed to failure and loss. So as I mentioned, I played baseball in college. And you know what the funny thing about baseball is? The very best players on the field fail seven times out of 10. Seven times out of 10, they are unsuccessful. The very best players, think about that. Or consider this at more of a macro level. In college, there are over 26,000 sports teams across all divisions, one, two, and three. And you know how many of those teams win the national championship at the end of each season? 72, 24 from each division. That means that 0.27% of all college athletes will end their season as victorious as they had hoped. I could keep going. You guys get the point here. The nature of sport at the end of the day is one typically characterized by losing. But that is the very reason why athletes are so unique. You see, in athletics, your value and sense of worth, it's fundamentally tied to your performance. So whether that's minutes played or shooting percentage or batting average, whatever it is, the numbers on the stat sheet are typically what we look at to assess how good someone is. And that's where the good news of the gospel comes in. You see, despite someone's amazing or or mediocre skill level, the gospel says that your value is not tied to your sport. It's tied to Jesus. Jesus is constant. He's not flaky. Your statistics are always changing, but Jesus remains the same. So that's number one. The gospel is good news for the athlete who's often stuck in, in this perpetual cycle of losing. Number two. Athletes understand what it means to persevere. Athletes understand what it means to persevere. You see, when, it, when an athlete is waking up every morning at 5 a.m. for runs and, and lifts or, or cutting weight because they have to be in shape for the season or completing their studies over lunch because practice takes up most of the night, when an athlete possesses this sort of behavior, they are actually learning what it means to persevere through discipline. And uniquely, I think the Christian life is quite similar. We're called to die to our sin because we've died with Christ. We saw it this morning from Romans 6. We're called to take up our own cross and follow the Lord Jesus. We're called to put off sin and put on Christ. So in essence, our lives as Christians are no longer characterized by what we want, but by giving our lives up for something greater. That is what athletes are primed to believe about their sport. They're attracted to things that are costly, things that will pay off in the end. Friends, that sounds like living for Jesus, right? And because of this attraction to things that are costly, it leads well to our third point, which is that athletes are compelled by redemptive storylines. Athletes are compelled by redemptive storylines. So flip on ESPN or your favorite sports radio show, and I promise you that within the first three stories you hear, one of them will be about redemption. Stories like this, well, this athlete got traded and now they're facing their old team and they beat them in the championship. Or or this athlete got hurt last season and he came back and, and won the MVP award this year. Our minds are unbelievably compelled by the idea of gaining something back which was once lost. Well, perhaps you guys can make the connection here. That's the crux of the gospel. (laughs) 
Jesus Christ has redeemed us from sin by becoming sin for us so that we might become righteous and dwell with God forever in eternity. Friends, that trumps every sports redemption story. And so when athletes hear the gospel, the true story of redemption, not some, not some measly sports story, friends, when they hear the gospel, God might just surprise you by how many people want to hear more and more and more about it. Lastly, athletes have a built-in community. And now note, I did not say that this community is good or godly. They have a community that's, that's of the sort where they can be together all at once, and they typically are together all at once for long spurts of time. And now this is essentially the, the foundation for the rest of our time this morning. You see, when an athlete ascends their college campus, they automatically have 30 plus friends or at least 30 plus acquaintances or people that they need to be around. It's just the way it works. Think about it. It's like a child in a big family, literally built into the fabric of that child's life is the fact that they will spend most days and nights with their siblings. They can't do anything about it. Whether they like them or not, that's just the way it is. And so it is with athletes. And by faith, you know, these, these communities, they can deepen when they're infiltrated with the gospel. And because of that, the uniqueness in reaching athletes with the gospel is that when you reach one, you have the opportunity to reach a multitude. All right, that's our first application today under point number two, the practicals of reaching athletes. The practicals of reaching athletes. Number one, reach one and pray for many. Reach one and pray for many. So here's a tip. Don't try and focus on converting all the athletes or all your teammates at the same time. Rather, consider focusing on just one. You are finite. God is not. If you're anything like me, you want to see every athlete on your campus come to know Jesus Christ. But friends, chances are that won't happen at least not while you're in college. So make every effort to equip and pour into one who in turn will be able to pour into more than one. It's the multiplication effect. It's God's spirit at work. And as you might have noticed, this isn't some hidden or secret formula that pertains only to athletics. What I'm talking about is the small, persistent, faithful steps of discipling and training and spending time with and caring about and eventually raising up just one person who very well may raise up many, many more. Friends, you just never know how God might use that one faithful, persistent investment to create a whole movement over the span of many years. That's our first application. Number two, stay faithful to God's word. Stay faithful to God's word. You know, whoever it was that said you need to tie sports into every Bible study with athletes, I would say is a little off. You know, things get a little corny when you go down that route, especially with sports devotionals. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I've, 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 I've read some sports devotionals that have some murky theology here and there. Now, hear me out. I totally think it's important to become all things to all men and, and enter into another's world to minister to them. Totally, 100%. But never so much that you have to shift 
every passage around to make it about sports and kind of do Bible gymnastics. Rather, you could, and I would say you should, have applications that pertain to someone's life as an athlete. And now sometimes the temptation will be to water down the gospel for the sake of reaching more. Like, like, oh, only if, if more people came to my study, then it would be more successful. Friends, that is not true. What these men and women need is a concrete, biblically-centered view of the gospel, which includes Jesus and sin and death and eternal life. So often in the sphere of athletics in our culture, people talk about God, but in such a shallow way. So my encouragement would be stick to the text. We don't need to be profound. God's word is sufficient in and of itself. As Charles Spurgeon, the old English preacher once said, the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you need to do is let that lion loose and the lion will defend itself. So let that lion loose on those sports teams. All right, number three, be willing to break your typical ministry strategy. Our third application, be willing to break your typical ministry strategy. A more pointed way to put this might be, instead of inviting athletes into your life, go be a part of theirs. Instead of inviting athletes into your life, go be a part of theirs. Now, of course, that takes wisdom, but this is one of the most practical things that we're going to talk about today. That's why we'll spend the most time on it. So your typical ministry strategy, it might look like standing at at beginning of semester outreach tables and getting contact information of new and eager freshman students and inviting them out to your disciple makers Bible study and and your large group meeting. And boom, people are plugged into the fellowship. That's great. Those people are hungry for community. That is standard. But friends, I'm here to tell you, as we've already seen this morning, that athletes are not standard. You see, athletes aren't looking for community. They already have one. So if community is the driving force behind reaching athletes, I hate to break it to you, but it typically will not work. A short story about this from my own from my own uh, experience in college, my baseball teammates who I who I adore. I love them to this day but they would come to our Disciple Makers large group meetings. They had no interest in playing Spicy Uno afterwards. That just wasn't their thing. They wanted to hear the word of God preached. They didn't really want to play the finicky games afterwards. So it requires getting creative and changing things up a little bit. So what does that mean? Well, this list certainly isn't exhaustive, but in my four years as a student on campus as an athlete, And now three years as a staff, hands down, the most effective way I've seen athletes reach with the gospel is by starting Bible studies on their teams and loving the people on those teams well. This is a practical application off the heels of Caleb's talk this morning. So if you are not an athlete, but you lead a Bible study with DCF, that's amazing. Praise God. Keep doing it. But more likely than not, It is not easy nor possible for many athletes to attend your study based on their time and availability and their comfort level. So as God gives you opportunity, make every effort you have to begin studies with athletes themselves. This sort of coincides with reaching one and praying for many. So for example, if you have a classmate on the football team 
and he's expressed interest in religion or Christianity through private conversation, praise God. That's wonderful. You could, you could begin to meet with that person and study the Bible with them. But rather than being content with just that one person, you could see him as the very avenue to reach a hundred more people. So sure, invite your classmate to the Bible study that you already lead with disciple makers and he might come. It's great. That's awesome. But what if you began to invite his teammates to that study? His teammates don't know you. They don't know the other people in the fellowship. They don't have the personal connection to you from class. And honestly, those teammates might think you're a little weird for asking them to join a small group discussion about the Bible with a bunch of random people. But those teammates do know your classmate, that, that one person you've been investing in. And they do have established trust with him. And they're much more likely to join something a little risky, like a Bible study, with all of their homeboys, rather than a mixed conglomerate of people on campus. And now friends, let me be clear. I don't wish it was that way. But it is the way it is. And so by prayer and faithful efforts, when these athletes do come, not only do you get to study the Bible with them, but you also get to know them. You hear about their life stories, their backgrounds, their successes and failures in sports, what they like, dislike, who they're close with on the team. You get all this information that you can essentially store up into your ministry repository for future use. And in addition to that, you have a chance to invest in coaches as you get to know their players. You'd be surprised at how many coaches are actually open to Christian groups on campus. Many of them have Christian backgrounds. They just can't talk about it a bunch on the team. So if they have an avenue to talk about faith and, and Jesus and the Bible, friends, they might be open to it. And not only that, the cool thing about athletes and coaches is that you can support them in the thing they prize most in life, which is their sport. So an effective witness, I mean, especially on a small campus, go to their games I mean, text them encouraging Bible verses beforehand. Check the stats afterwards. Congratulate them if they do well. Maybe hold off for a few days if, if they don't have too hot of a game. Maybe not send the text immediately afterwards. And for some of you, this might feel like extra, even, even monotonous work for you, but it's a simple and effective way of showing that you care. You know, this whole process will take time and energy. It might mean leading a Bible study at an hour of the night when you simply don't want to be leading a Bible study. It might mean you getting up early to cater to an athlete's practice schedule. It could mean humbling yourself and being very non-assuming about their knowledge of the Bible. It could and probably will mean having to navigate a lot, a lot of rabbit trails in your conversation centered on Scripture. But friends, in the midst of that, even when things aren't coming to fruition as you had hoped, it's in those times where the Apostle Paul's words come in handy from 1 Corinthians 15. My beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. If you're a Christian, you know that in all facets of ministry, it might be tempting to think your labor is in vain. 
But I'm convinced that in athletics especially, it is particularly difficult to witness Christ because of all the other things vying for an athlete's attention while in college. So brother, sister, press on because God sees your faithful labors. All right, last, this will be very quick. Our fourth application, pray, 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 and continue to be fed. Pray and continue to be fed. I've said this already today, friends. Your desire to be here and your desire to to see people from a challenging niche come to know Christ is quite commendable. It is God-honoring. I sincerely respect each of you for wanting to take on something that has likely felt pretty tough for you in college. In fact, I have friends from college who have come to know Jesus Christ because of people like you who wanted to invest in them when nobody else did. But behind all of that, what is most important is that you pray and continue to be fed. By involvement in your local church, through your campus fellowship, by your disciple, your close friends, in every area of ministry, we must have people who are pouring into us as we seek to tirelessly pour into others. And especially with athletes, as it can oftentimes feel like just a different sort of beast. This encouragement of praying and being fed by others will be massive in helping you reach more and more athletes with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, press on. Your labors are not in vain. The Lord sees them. Rely on his word and go to him in prayer. Father God, thank you for the opportunity it is to love you and to make you known. Help us now, Lord, to take this gospel, this good news of Jesus that we have been entrusted with, and to faithfully and boldly and persistently entrust it to other faithful men and women who will be able to do the same for others, especially on these athletics teams all throughout Pennsylvania and the nation and the world. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us first. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.